we'll get back on. Okay. Um, to, first of all, good morning, and I got in Zeis Hanukkah. It's a very, very holy day, and all of us should be zeicher to get the hamshachas that we're supposed to get on this very, very uh, Hilika day. This is a very, very short sicha. It's mamish like a um, a tiny gem, um, and I think that we'll all enjoy enormously. Vayigash Aleph. In Chilak Tesvav Aleph, Kvar Nizbar Pa'amin Rabbis. The Rebbe says I've already explained many times. Asher Rashi b'Peirushayal Teira that Rashi in his commentary on the Teira Sile Kol She'ela b'Kushia Ha'Alula L'Sayer B'Limud P'Shutei Shal Mikra. What he does is to remove. He removes any question or any difficulty that might arise. When learning the Pshutai Shel Mikra. And in the footnotes, the Rebbe writes, in places where Rashi does not have an explanation that conforms with the Pshat, although he has an explanation through Drash. So Rashi writes, I don't know, or something along that, those lines. So therefore, as, as Rebbe says, as explained many times, Rashi stated mandate is to explain the pshat and to address, and you could see that the word chol is underscored, every question or every difficulty that can arise when learning the pshat shal mikra. And if we don't find a commentary by Rashi, an explanation from Rashi, where there seems to be a difficulty in the Pasuk, that means it's proven that Rashi has already reconciled this difficulty somewhere in his commentary before this. Or Perhaps, or that this is to begin with not a difficulty on the level of pshat. So, with this preface, that Rashi addresses every single difficulty on the level of pshat, we need to understand in our parsha, Yosef Lachiv. When we learn the story concerning Yosef confessing or acknowledging who he was to his brothers, Shakasav Misaper, Shaamar Lehem Yosef, Ani Yosef Ha'ayit Avichai. The Pasuk tells us that Yosef said to them, I am Yosef, is my father still alive? Oyle Miyat Hatmiya. So at once, when, when the person who's learning Chumash reads this, <coughs> there's a great <coughs> question, a great wonder that arises. <laughs> and the Rebbe says, indeed, many of the Mephoshim ask exactly this question, which is, <coughs> sorry, having a little sneezing attack here. Halay ad ata, Yehuda Yosef, Alzeh Shaloi 
אבא יעקב, שלא יאבה יעקב לשלחת בין ים למצרים מצד החשש ועזב אז אבי ומיס. If you read the content of the parsha until this point, we have the words of Yosef, Yehuda, Yehuda explains to Yosef that um, Yaakov did not want to send Binyamin to Mitzrayim because he was afraid that the same thing is going to happen to Binyamin that happened to Yosef, that he'll leave his father and he'll die. The chain. And likewise, And in like manner, we find that Yehuda had expressed that he was fearful that if Yosef would hold back Binyamin, Yaakov would not be able to <coughs> withstand that kind of trauma. In the words of Yehuda, You would explain to Yosef that when the father will see that the lad, meaning Binyamin, is not there, he'll die. And all of these words that Yehuda said were heard well by Yosef. And they touched him deeply. They touched his heart deeply. Like the Torah says, Yosef could not contain himself any longer. So if this is the case, So then how is it possible that after all of this dialogue where Yehuda is making very clear and overt reference to the father, that Yosef should still ask, Is my father alive? Something is not computing because uh, it's clear that the father is alive. So that's question number one. Why would Yosef say, Second question. The next question is, why did Yosef not pause to get an answer from them? Why did he not wait to receive an answer for his question? He asked a question, is my father still alive? And immediately, immediately when he saw that the, in the words of the Pasuk that the brothers were unable to answer because they were frightened, he continued and he said, he continued in his words to them and he said, He at that point said, come close to me, and he, he confessed to them, he acknowledged, he said to them, I am Yosef. And he told them the, the story, the saga of how he became the viceroy in the land of Egypt, and he finished his words by saying, Maharu, Make haste, go quickly, and go up to my father and bring him down to Mitzrayim. So the Rebbe says, you're forced to say, that most certainly Yosef knew that his father was alive. After he asked the question, he did not even skip a beat. He did not even wait 
a moment. He immediately said to them, go quickly and bring my father down. There must be another intention that is hidden or buried in the words, is my father still alive? In other words, this question was not informational. Okay, so we have to understand what is the kavana, what was the intention of Yosef asking this question? The Barbanel explained, that Yosef did not ask this question to ascertain that Yaakov is still alive. But rather, he was looking for a way to begin a conversation. I mean, after all, they had not seen each other in over two decades. Um, they had planned to kill him. Okay, they sold him as a slave. I mean, you know, this was not an easy conversation for anyone. So after all this time, Yosef is looking for a conversation starter, for a segue. Because he knew by saying by outing himself, by, 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 by acknowledging his true identity, the, the brothers would be very embarrassed. They would be very shamed. So So he was looking to kind of um, turn the conversation to other things. And he began, so he began with asking about the father. And he planned to also ask about other members of the family. But it never happened that he got a chance to ask about other members of the family. He because the brothers were unable to answer because they were so frightened uh, in the face of, of, of this question of, of, of Yosef having said who he was and, and then his saying, So in accordance with the Barbanel's explanation, we might have said, that Rashi too, aligns with, with this explanation of the pshat, and therefore he doesn't ask the question and he doesn't give his own explanation. Therefore he doesn't have to write this. Rashi would not have to repeat this because he already explained this paradigm um, on the words where Hashem says, ayeka. And Rashi says there, Ayeka, Yedea Hayahechan Hu. Hashem knew very well where he was. But Hashem wanted to enter into a conversation with Adam, and um, he wanted to make it easier because he knew that he would be very embarrassed and frightened of answering. And another time, when they wish to ask Hayin, where is your brother Hevel? 
And again, Rashi says, to enter into a conversation in a kind of, um, with equanimity. In other words, both of these are situations where the person that the Abish is talking to would have a lot of reason to have their, their defenses up. And so the Abish just sought to enter into conversation with them. So we might say that Rashi opines, uh, as does a Barbanel, but he doesn't need to repeat this because he's already said this twice, the Samach Rashi Khan, and Rashi relies here, Al Hanal, on what he has taught in previous Psukim. And we know that over and over Rashi Sikhas the Rebbe taught us that Rashi um, expects the Benchamesh Lumikra to be conversant with everything he said previously. So we might say that that's the explanation for why Rashi doesn't ask such a simple question here. Amnam, however, but the Rebbe says, no, we can't say that Rashi agrees with the Barbanel and therefore he doesn't give up shot because he actually already explained this paradigm earlier. Because after Yehuda in such elongated fashion has already spoken about um, the tsar, the, the, the pain and the difficulty that would be caused to Yaakov if Binyamin were to be held up in Mitzrayim, so in order to enter the conversation with Yehuda, the words, is my father still alive, are not appropriate. But rather to ask with questions about the family. In other words, if Yosef is looking for a um, benign uh, subject for conversation, a segue, so why not ask about other members of the family Yehuda has already made very plain and very clear that the father is alive. So why would Yehuda say, why would Yosef say, Gimel. The Rebbe says it would seem, we might be able to explain, Rebbe says it would seem, we might be able to explain that the hey, that prefaces the word oid avichai means not that Yosef is asking, is my father alive? Ha'im avichai, elanemar beloshin tmiya. But rather, ha'im avichai, is my father really alive? Kefishek for perish Rashi come upon him, like Rashi has already explained several times, for instance, regarding the reply. Of Kaya to the Abishter. This is a question of wonder. And it's also what we would, we, we would call in English a rhetorical question. And this occurs in other places. And this is what happened here in our Pasuk. Yosef was just expressing great wonder and great, um, like doubt, like 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 he was flabbergasted that the father's still alive. 
But the Rebbe says, Ella but there is a big difference between what happens in our Pasuk and the other places in the Torah where we have this construct. If you look at the above example, and in, in most of the other places, and the above example was regarding what Kayin said, over there, the the hey, the the rhetorical question, the 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 wonder comes to obviate the doubt that you might think that that is the way it should be. Very very clearly, Kayin felt and believed that he was not his brother's guardian. I mean, <laughs> if he was ready to kill him, he's certainly not looking out for him. So that was how the hate is used in those other examples. Masha Inkin, a contradistinction, Benita Didan, in our case, Harezu Tmir Kayemes. The question doesn't obviate the doubt. It's a wonder that stands in place. Yosef Yadash Yaakov Adenuchai. Yosef knew well that Yaakov is still alive. Ella Shahadavar Er Etzleitmir. And still, this knowledge arouses great wonder and great. And like Rashi has already explained earlier, on the Pasuk Halaben, Meashana Yivalet, am I going to be able to have children at 100 years of age? Rashi explains, There are wonders that, um, that, that remain. In other words, you, you wonder the first time and you wonder the hundredth time and you wonder the thousandth time. Am I really going to be able to have a child at age 100? So Yaakov continues to be flabbergasted that his father, after everything he has gone through, is still alive. But the Rebbe says, but even with this, but you have to understand, if you want to say that it's simply that Yasef is just expressing his shock and his awe and his wonder that the father is still alive. The problem with that is, Yaakov wasn't that old. He was only 130 years old. Less years <coughs> than Avraham lived and Yitzhak lived. Vim came, and if so, so what is such a great wonder that his father is still alive? What is the connection between Yosef saying, Ani Yosef, he's outing himself, he's outing his identity, and immediately he goes into the words, Like, it, it, this, what, what's the connection? And Gimel, Bechlal, generally, What's the purpose of Yosef <coughs> expressing his wonder to his brothers? And he did this immediately, immediately in the moment that he, that he confessed who he was. In other words, there's no reprieve. There's, there's, there's no interruption. There's no pause. There's no punctuation between Ani Yosef 
and the words ha'edavichai. So the Rebbe brought possible explanations and he has negated those other explanations. He negated the explanation of the Abar Benel, um, that, that, that he was just looking for a way to start a conversation because he says if he's just looking for a way to start a conversation, then, then talk about the other members of the family. He already knows that he's that the father is alive. Um, then he brings down the possibility of um, that the hey here is, is not a question, is he alive, but rather an expression of wonder. But the Rebbe says, but it's not the same as the other expressions of wonder that Rashi has addressed, because in the other places, the question takes away what you thought. Here, it doesn't. There's no, um, there's no, there's no doubt. There's no hakasal There's no, there's no kasal There's no doubt here. So the tamia, the the wonder, still remains. And then the Rebbe says, "What is the wonder?" <laughs> Yaakov is not that old, that old. And then two other questions. What's the connection to the words Ani Yosef? And why is there absolutely no interruption between Ani Yosef and Ha'eda Vichai? <clears throat> and in parentheses, the Rebbe says, It's one thing if you would be able to say that Yais's intention was actually informational. He was seeking to know if his father was alive. He was seeking to um, clarify and to confirm. Then we might say that immediately after he says who he is, he doesn't skip a beat. He doesn't wait a nanosecond and he asks about his father. That would be if we understand Yasef's question to actually be a question in conventional manner. He's actually looking for information. But since Yasef already knew that Yaakov is alive, and so far we're saying that the only reason he said those words, is my father's still alive, was just because he wants to express his wonder. Mahi Hanachitsus Lahabia Inyazer Takef Bishah Shasipra Lehmani Yasef. So, if it's only to express his wonder, what is the imperative to express his wonder immediately after he says Ani Yasef? Dalit. The Rebbe says, Vahabir Bazeb Pashtos. The simple explanation is as follows. Rashi has already explained to us above Allah Pasuk in Vayeshef concerning Yaakov and his loss of Yosef. The Torah says, He was unable to be comforted. And Rashi teaches us, that a person cannot be consoled and cannot receive comfort when thinking that somebody who is alive has passed. 
In other words, a person is mourning somebody who's still alive, but in their mind, they think they passed, like with Yaakov and Yosef. And, and Rashi explains, because when somebody actually dies, the Ebishter divined it so that there should be a process through which the heart forgets, so to speak, a little bit concerning the one who died, and you're able to make peace with it to some extent. But not concerning someone who's actually alive. If that person is still in this world and you think that they're not, you're not going to be able to be comforted. And therefore, Yaakov mourned for his son many, 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 many days. He never stopped mourning. Now we understand the question differently. Because of this rule that you cannot be comforted for a loss that is actually not a loss, Yosef said to his brothers, Ani Yosef, I'm Yosef, meaning I'm alive. And therefore, I am so flabbergasted that my father is still alive. Because I'm Yosef, that means Yosef is alive. This means that for 22 consecutive years, an unremitting fashion, Yaakov was pained for the loss of Yosef. And it's not just if you could say that there's such a thing, which I don't think you could say that there's such a thing as pedestrian love of a parent to a child and therefore pedestrian mourning of a parent for a child. But the Rebbe says, but this is not, this is also an unusual love that Yaakov shared, an unusual bond that Yaakov shared with Yosef as the Torah tells us. And this is an extraordinary pain. There is nothing simple, there's nothing plain, there's nothing regular, there's nothing pedestrian about this. And so knowing this, this was a great and extraordinary wonder. How did Yaakov withstand this tremendous pain? A pain that lasted so many years due to the fact that Yosef is still alive. And now we can understand why Yosef felt compelled to share his wonder with his brothers. Because with this, Yosef is prefacing why, and he is underscoring the imperative to act with alacrity and bring Yaakov to Mitzrayim immediately. We find this imperative to act with haste, not only in Yosef commanding his brothers, 
hurry, make haste, and go up to my father. In order to tell Yaakov the wonderful news that Yosef is still alive. And by giving him this news, <coughs> Yaakov will finally be able to stop mourning him, to be put out of his pain, the constant pain. But Yosef repeats this twice more. He says, and come down to me quickly and don't, don't, you know, just stand. Don't, don't waste any time. And make haste and bring down my father here. Because as Yosef understood this, he understood this to be a situation that was actually Sakanas Nefashis, Yaakov's life was in danger. After such great unremitting pain, so even after Yaakov's spirit was revived, when he heard that his son Yosef was still alive, there was still the necessity for Yaakov to go down and see. Yaakov says, let me go and I will see, wanted to see Yosef's face and that this happened with great haste. Hey. Once we understand the above, based on this, we can understand why Yosef said over and over, before he told the Shvatim to go bring their father, three times he essentially said the same thing, that Hashem sent me here to be able to sustain you. Hashem sent me here before you. And it wasn't you who sent me. It was Hashem who sent me. If every moment that Yosef didn't see Yaakov was a was a uh, problem of Sakanas Nefashis. It was literally a matter of life or death, Kasha. Then it's difficult to understand. Then how is it enough for Yosef to say, quickly go up and bring my father? He should have gone up himself. He's Yosef. He's the viceroy. He could have gotten a police escort. In other words, if every moment makes a difference because it's the Kanis Nefashais, so how did Yosef, um, how, how was he content? How did he, how was he content to say to them, do it quickly? Why didn't he go himself? Lirai <clears throat> 
First of all, he could have gotten there faster. Second of all, he would have been there, would have presented himself. That cuts the time in half. It was before FaceTime. So it's going to take the whole trip there and then the whole trip back. Why doesn't Yasef go himself? <clears throat> and not only that, First of all, he has a he has a he has a he has a and he should have gone to Yaakov first. And especially because it has to be done with alacrity, and Yosef has connections; he's the viceroy. The Yaakov and 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 Yaakov is elderly. It would have been so much quicker for Yosef to go. And that is why Yosef prefaced saying three times, Hashem sent me here. And he underscored this. Multiple times. Three times Yosef underscored his being found in Egypt wasn't his choice. It wasn't his will. He was there only and exclusively because Hashem sent him there. He was there upon the shlichus of Hashem, in order to be the purveyor of food and sustenance for the whole nation of that land. And therefore, he has no permission to leave. And, and maybe here we, we, we kind of hear, <clears throat> you know, people ask Rebbe why he never went to Eretz Yisrael. You know, and, and it seems clear from anything around that question, the Rebbe felt that he couldn't leave. He, he had a shlichus. He had to be positioned exactly where he could make the greatest impact in his shlichus. And an additional point in the imperative to go quickly to the father. Rashi has already explained above in Bayeshev. Rashi has already explained that this was an Indian of Midak Negamida. There was a parallel here. Yaakov mourned for his son Yosef 22 years, which parallels the 22 years that he was unable to um, fulfill the midst of Kibbut of Aim because he had to flee uh, from Esau. As soon as Yosef knew that the 22 years of punishment for Yaakov were over, he demanded from his brothers, make haste and go up to my father. Because now that the, that the punishment, the time for punishment has, has passed, 
they have to act in such a way that they are not held up, they do not tarry, even for as long as it takes to bat an eyelash. And the Rebbe says, and now this more uh, sweetly explains, meaning we, we can better explain another nuance. And that is that Yosef said, Maharu, make haste, go up to my father. He didn't say, El Avinu, our father. He had acknowledged that he was Yosef. He was their brother. So why didn't he say, go up to our father? Why did he say, go up to my father? Because in addition to the fact that Yaakov's great pain was because he thought Yosef was dead, but in saying the word Avi as opposed to Avinu, Yosef alluded to them because another compelling factor in the haste and the alacrity is because now Yosef finally can do keep it of an aim for his father, Avi, for whom he could not do keep it of an aim for 22 years. Now that the 22 years have passed, that Yaakov had to be punished for the fact that he did not, that he was not Mechabed, his father, now Yosef can finally be Mechabed, his father. The other brothers had a chance to do keep it of aim all the years. They were with their father, they were with Yaakov, but Yosef didn't. So that's why he said to underscore, it's my father. I haven't had a chance to keep it of aim for all these years. Please, let's do this quickly. And then the Chabu leaves us with um, such a, a moving, poignant Haira. And from, he, from this story, we have to all learn a lesson in our service of Hashem. There are times, there are times where we have to do something that's difficult, that's harsh. The Rabbi uses the word small deicha to push away with the left hand. Because we know that even when you have to push something away, it should only be with your left hand. It should be, you shouldn't do it as strongly as you do something positive. Yemin mikarevis. With the right hand, you bring close. Small deicha. If you have to push someone away or something, in other words, you have to do something that's not positive, do it, but don't do it with the same vociferousness. Don't do it with the same strength of your right hand, as it were. So that says sometimes it's just necessary. Uh, to do something small, something that's not positive. Givura, it's something that has to be done with strength, or maybe even you have to punish. But we have to know, we have to keep in mind, that there has to be extra care. Sometimes it is necessary to use strength. Um, to punish, to express something in a more strict way or a harsh way. But we have to be careful not to use that mida any more than necessary. And the word harega is, is underscored. 
And as soon as the moment comes, that the pushing away or the, 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 the more harsh way of expression is necessary, the moment it's no longer necessary, not the minute, not the hour, not the day, the moment, then immediately with alacrity, you have to rush to show this person chesed, to show this person kindness and to bring them closer and to do it yemin mikareves with the right hand, um, with, with, with the stronger aspect of our personality. Um, so this is a special gift for Zayis Hanukkah, special Hanukkah gift for this week. And um, wishing everybody a Felechach Zeis Hanukkah and a good Gebench Tiar, all good things. Can I ask you a quick question? I might be yeah. a little um, imaginarily off topic. I don't know. But why does Yosef give them, like, how many weeks did it take from when they first see him and he plays all these games and puts their money back and puts the, the Gvia back and the whole thing? It, that must have been at least a month, two months. Yeah, so that's, that's an excellent question, Tipa. And I, I don't know. Um, I have to say thank you. For, I didn't think of that question. I think it's a fantastic question. Um, the only thing I could say right now, because I have to think more and I have to ask and, and look, but um, is that it seemed that Yosef felt that there had to be a certain process they went through before he could um, out himself, before he could tell them who he really was, that they had to undergo a process as, as, as a group. And we know that um, we see this tikkun, that, that, that Yehuda, you know, he took responsibility for Benjamin. I mean, Araf, you know, these are, these are very, very strong words. In other words, Yosef had to bring them to a place where basically they were once more in a place where they could throw a brother under the bus, but would not ever think of doing that. So maybe, maybe that's one answer. Maybe that's part of an answer um, that, you know, th these things had to be worked through. There was, there was an avida that had to happen here before he could say who he was. He had to bring them to a place of tshuva. He had to bring them to a place where they were once again at the same crossroad, but chose to do differently and so on and so forth. Maybe. That. Maybe the 22 years weren't up until that day. Uh, maybe, maybe it was a month early. That, that, that's a fantastic answer. Yeah, that's a fantastic answer. Um, didn't it have, did it have something to do with his dreams? The process? Mm -hmm. What, what do you mean by that? The original dreams wherein he saw his... Uh, his out to him when they came to him, did also the process of doing it. Oh, did, he, did he see it taking place now and knew from the dreams how the process had to happen? I don't know. I'm just asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's another fantastic point. Yeah. But this way parallels the original dream that he had. Yeah. Personally, I find it a, a remarkable lesson of, of forgiveness in relationship because he wouldn't, even though he forgave them many, many years back, he needed to know whether he could trust them. The element of forgiveness and trust are two separate things in a relationship. 
And before he could trust them to come live now and be, he needed to know if he could. In life, I find that a remarkable thing in relationship, how forgiveness and trust is two totally different things. He's given credit so much for forgiveness, but the process of trust, we learned from him how to do it, how to accomplish it. That's, that's, thank you so much for sharing that. That's beautiful. I, um, I did a podcast like right before the class and these are the psukim. It's like not such a big accomplishment this morning. There's like five psukim. But the first thing that came to my mind that I don't know if it's directly, I just, what you just said, that the brothers could possibly have been resentful of him as time went on, that he was the viceroy and they're, you know, on a much lower status, but like they directly are the cause of it. So in a way it had to happen this way that they could be directly the cause for why he became so powerful. I don't know if that's like a little off topic, I didn't do it this but that's how it sort of struck me when I was reading the this morning. Yeah, interesting. Thank you very thank much. You, thank you very much, Rifki. It's just fabulous what you do. Oh, all to everybody. Thank you so much. My greatest pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.